open up, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. As we talked about last week, we sent last week a church plant out from amongst us. And we thought it was a good time to be able to sort of recalibrate ourselves and refresh ourselves and remind ourselves what we are about. It's revisiting the fundamentals. Um, Every coach from one time or another teaches and drills the fundamentals. The fundamentals, if you don't know what they are, they're the basics of any given sport. In baseball, coaches might talk about throwing. They might talk about fielding. In soccer, coaches might talk about dribbling and kicking. In football, coaches might drill blocking and tackling. The most successful college basketball coach of all time, John Wooden, who was known as the Wizard of Westwood, taught fundamentals, the fundamentals of basketball in his own unique way. In fact, the very first practice, he taught the fundamentals that nobody, the fundamentals of basketball that nobody expected. Bill Walton, one of the best college basketball players of all time, explained his very first practice under John Wooden. He said, we were ready to roll all day for the first time, that first time out. Just before start, always at 3 p.m. sharp, Coach Wooden called all the freshmen together and walked us back into the locker room. There he sat down on a stool and began to lecture us. We sat there like dutiful sponges ready to soak it all up, knowing that he was about to give us the key to heaven on earth, show us the path, guide us to become the next great team in history. His first words were, Men, this is how to put on your shoes and socks. We were stunned. We looked around at each other. Are you kidding me? We're all high school All-America players, and this silly little old man is showing us how to put on our shoes and socks. Meticulously, he demonstrated exactly how we were to apply our socks over our toes and pull them up tight to eliminate the possibility of any wrinkles, which would cause blisters. And then how to open our shoes so that they would, our feet would slide easily and not disturb our wrinkle-free socks. And then how to properly lace and tie them snugly and completely. We were rolling our eyes. And could barely keep from laughing out loud. uh, Walton says, talk about weird. We wanted to play ball. We wanted to get running. We wanted to get going. But Wooden went on. You see, if there are wrinkles in your socks or your shoes aren't tied properly, you will develop blisters. With blisters, you'll miss practice. If you miss practice, you won't play. And if you don't play, we can't win. If you want to win championships, you must take care of the smallest of details. Is there anything more basic in basketball than instruction on how to put on your socks and shoes? If we're to know who we are as a church and where we're going, we must tend to the smallest of details. We must tend to the basics and the fundamentals. We must ask ourselves a question that we might think is so basic as beyond asking. The question is this, what is a church? The basic of of basics, the fundamental of fundamentals. Today, this topic is what's going to occupy our time. And you might think, I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to turn the page. I'm ready to go places. But first, we need to visit the fundamentals. 
This is important because if we don't know what a church is, we won't know what our church is called to be. And if we don't know what our church is called to be, we won't know what we're called to do together. And if we don't know what we're called to do together, we won't understand whether we were being faithful or not. And if we don't know if we're being faithful, we won't know how to invest each individually into the church. So the question, what is a church, might sound basic, it might sound fundamental, it might sound like an instruction on putting on socks and shoes, but it's critically important. What is a church? A church is the place with the people you experience God with. A church is the place with people that you experience God with. We won't have a proper understanding of the church if we don't understand that it is there we experience God. The church is that place that we experience the fullness of God. We do not experience the fullness of God individually. We cannot experience the fullness of God alone. We can't experience the fullness of God without being a part of a local church. And we see that clearly in Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read beginning in verse 15 of Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read starting in 15 so we can get a feel for the whole picture of where Paul's going. It's a long, dense, jarring sentence, but I'm going to read it just the same. And we're going to focus on the, toward the end of this sentence. God's word says, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? In our section for today. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Let's pray. Lord, as we open your word, we, want, we just confess that we want to Think your thoughts after you. Lord, as we come in, I pray that you would help us to be able just to quiet the noise in our mind, to be able to hear your voice, Lord, this morning. I pray that you would be able to overcome my many weaknesses and vulnerabilities to be able to communicate clearly through me. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would be active. I know that you promise that you are active when your word is preached, and we just pray for an extra, extra dose of your activity here with us this morning. 
We don't pray just because that's what we do at church. We pray because we need help. And we don't pray to a God who's stingy. but We pray to a generous God who delights to give his people good things. And so the good thing we pray for now is that you would speak to us via your word. I pray that you would give us attentive ears. I pray that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. And Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice. And it's in the name of Jesus we give thanks and we pray. Amen. The church is that place where you experience the fullness of God. The church is that place with that people where you experience the fullness of God. We can see this in verses 19 and 20 and 21. We see the church is a people of power. Now, when we read verses 15 through 18, what we saw was Paul reminding the church at Ephesus that he was eager to explain to them that they had a future and secure hope. And they were also, as saints, the inheritance of God. Now, as glorious as those topics are, we are going to focus on verse 19 and following. Paul wants us to make sure we understand something. He wants us to make sure we understand the all-surpassing greatness of his power. Notice that his power has a direction. Verse 19 And he wants us to understand, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us? I want you to recognize that it says toward us. The power of God in Christ is not just some kind of random show of power or energy. The power of God in Christ has a direction, and that direction is always expressed amongst his people. Jesus is not like some kind of magician able to do fancy tricks on the side so that we can all say, wow, isn't that amazing? The power of God is always leveraged for the people of God toward us who believe. And the expression, if you you sit here and think, well, I'm not sure that his power is really all that amazing, what Paul does is he says, I'll prove to you that his power is toward you. I'm going to do it by giving you two of his great exhibitions of power. First, he wants us to see his power in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is proof that his power is toward us. First, in his resurrection. Jesus was, is the only one who has died and yet been resurrected. Jesus was dead. He was not just revived. He did not just reverse the effect of death. He did not resuscitate a failing body. He didn't just appear to die. Jesus died and yet rose again to new life. And when Jesus rose from the dead, he, was, he proved to be a leader worth following. Here's a leader who can defeat death. Look around, find somebody in your life that you find impressive, and that person is not a leader who, you, who can defeat death. We know that death shadows us all of our days, stalking us like prey. But Paul wants us to understand that because Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, his power toward us is such that we will not have to face the substance of death. Our bodies will die, but we will not taste eternal death. Because Jesus rose from the dead. And all of us who are in him, we can say Jesus rose from the dead for us. It's His power toward us. Not only that, but there's another direction. We find that 
the power of Jesus is expressed in his resurrection, also in his ascension. It's expressed in his resurrection, also in his ascension. We see that he is in verse 20, seated at his. So God seated him. That means God seated Jesus at his right hand in the heavenly places. That is the place of highest honor in the universe. Have you ever heard reports of how people get honorary degrees? You hear about maybe a celebrity who didn't go to college, shows up at Harvard to speak commencement address, and they receive an honorary degree from Harvard. That doesn't really mean to have a degree from Harvard. That means to have an honorary degree from Harvard. If they were to put on their resume, I have a degree from Harvard, that would be a lie. And so some positions, like honorary degrees, are purely honorific and don't really carry with them any power. But that's not the kind of place that Jesus has. Jesus is ascended to the place of honor, but it is no honorary degree. He has power to go along with it. I want you to see the power that he has. He is empowered. How? Verse 21. Far above all rule and authority. Now notice how Paul stacks up all the different ways that Jesus has, all the different things and powers that Jesus has authority over. Jesus is enthroned far above all rule and authority and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. It's like Paul wants to cover his bases and he says, everything you can imagine, today, tomorrow, and forever, Jesus is more powerful than that. Every person that rises up and gains authority, whether they be rulers or kings, presidents, angels, demons, powers, or dominions, those powers pale in comparison to your Jesus because Jesus, who was risen from the dead, has been seated at the right hand. And in being seated at the right hand, verse 22 says, He put all things under His feet. So that means Jesus has ultimate and absolute supremacy. Jesus has ultimate and absolute supremacy. Now how, here's the question we have to ask ourselves, how is Jesus going to use that supremacy? How is Jesus going to use that power? What's He going to do? If we were to take, if we were to all climb in a bus and drive 74 miles west, we would find ourselves going to the Palo Verde nuclear generating station in Tonopah. And if, by some miracle, I don't think they give tours, but if they did, we could see a 4,000-acre facility with three massive reactors, each reactor being 2.6 million cubic cubic feet enclosed with four-foot-thick concrete walls and a beehive of activity with 3,000 people hustling and bustling around the facility. And if we stood there and said, wow, what's this all, all this activity for? What is this power used for? The answer would be clear. The people there would say, well, the plant provides continual electricity for over 4 million people throughout the Southwest. And you go, oh, that makes sense. I see the reactors. This is 4,000 acres. I see the smoke going up. I see everybody working so that these 4 million people might be able to have their electricity on around the clock. That makes sense. Palo Verde uses its its power to leverage light into our homes. Now, how does God 
use his power in Christ. How? We've already seen, we've already seen in verse, in verse 19 of his immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And here is how we see how, how it functions. Look at verse 23. Here's where it functions most effectively and most significantly. And he put all things, verse 22, under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The power that Jesus has is given, the power over all things that Jesus has is given not so that the stars in the sky would light up every evening, not so that the sun would be upon it, so the earth would be upon, it, upon its orbit, or so that the sun would rise at the same time, or the tides would rise at the same time. But the power that Jesus has is leveraged toward his people, and he is head over all things for the good of his church. That seems like a lot of power. But let's be honest, something that doesn't seem so very impressive all the time. But yet, verse 23 says, the church is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. The church is a people of fullness. The church, the people of God, are a people of fullness. His body is the fullness of him who fills all in all. This church, in some measure and in some way, is the fullness of God who fills all in all. What does that mean? That's that, that kind of language is language that means it could mean a lot of things, but it at least means this, that Christ's dominion over the cosmos is for the benefit of his people. But even more surprising, Christ's dominion over the cosmos is also for the benefit of this church. Now, I'm not saying... His dominion is for the benefit, His power is for the benefit of our church alone. Surely anywhere genuine believers gather, whether in the shade of a tree or huddled in a lean-to or hiding in a forest, there, wherever an authentic church is, Jesus exercises His dominion for that church's benefit. But I am saying this, if you are a part of this church, here's what you need to understand. Christ's power is leveraged what you will see in a way that you will not see any other place in your life through in and through this church. Jesus so identifies with his people as to call them his body. Remember when Saul of Tarsus was going to Damascus to, with letters of arrest for Christians. And he was on his way and he was interrupted along the road with a bright light at noonday and the voice of Jesus came and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He didn't say my people. He didn't say the churches. He didn't say the good people in Damascus. He said me. Jesus so associates himself with his people. He is the head over the body. The fullness of Jesus is found in the church of Jesus. Think about that. Here's what we see in verse 23. 
which is the fullness of his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. There is a sense, and I say this with trepidation, and I say it because I see it here in Scripture. I see it, I say, we can say, oh yeah, Christ fills this church. Absolutely, he does. But even more breathtaking, there is a sense in which the church also fills or completes Christ. Does he need us? No. Is he dependent on us? No. But, what kind of Savior would he be if there was no body, if there were no saints? If his blood purchased no sinners? There is a sense in which the church completes Christ. It's a shocking, daring, edging thing to say, but it's a thing we see here in Scripture. The power of Christ is expressed in and through the people of God. The power of Christ is expressed in and through the people of God in a unique way. The people that you're sitting by. You cannot experience the fullness of Christ alone. You cannot experience the power of Christ alone. To experience all Jesus has for you, you must be connected to his body. Or said the other way around, unless you're a part of a church, you will go about empty, bare, and vacant. The fullness that Jesus offers only comes in the context of local churches. That's the fundamentals. That's the basics. That's like putting our shoes and socks on. For us believers... If you're a guest here, whatever church you're a part of, that's where God has called you to throw your life into and for you to experience the very power of God. But if you're a member here or attending here, this is the place that God has designed uniquely for you to experience the very power of God. A church Local people gathered together, experiencing the fullness of Christ together. That's our mission. That's our call. That's what we're about. That's who we are. See, one of the reasons it's important to serve around here and to serve together is not just because we need random jobs done. It's because, like nowhere else, when you serve together, you experience the fullness of God. It's important to recognize that we worship here not just because that's what we do at 1015 every Sunday. It's important to recognize that when you gather together with the saints of God here, you experience the fullness of God like nowhere else. When you gather together, you recognize you're a part of something bigger than yourself. Jesus is doing a work in other people besides you. Sometimes we can think that there is no other person in the world besides us. I remember when I was a kindergartner, and I didn't go to school. And I, real, I thought to myself, nobody was at school because I wasn't at school. And then to my shock and my horror, I went to the front room and saw the bus dropping kids off from my class. And I thought, they went to school, but I wasn't there. How could school happen? I recognized in kindergarten that I wasn't the center of the universe. And sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it takes us a little while longer to recognize that. God is working in and through others in this church. He's working in you, and he's working in other people. The way you experience 
all God has for you is by throwing yourself into the local body of Christ. If you're part of this church, that's by throwing yourself into the life of his, uh, into the life here. If you want to experience the will of God for your life, get involved with other people. Get involved in people in your church. If you want to experience more of what God has for you, get involved with the people in this church. If you want to experience a life that truly matters, get involved with people from the church. If you want to give yourself to something that won't fade away, give yourself to someone who will one day stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, and you will spend eternity with that person. If you want to give yourself to something that matters for eternity, give yourself to other people here because you can know for sure and for certain anyone who is genuinely regenerated by Jesus, the power of God is working toward in and through that person. And you can recognize that when you get involved in their lives and they get involved in you, your life, the power of God will be expressed in a way that you would not experience alone. See, one of the things that makes it hard to believe is this. It's hard to believe that his body, even this local representation of his body, is the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know why it's hard to believe? Because everything seems so normal. Because everything here seems so normal. Nobody on your row is shining like the archangel Michael. Nobody can speak like Jesus with the sound of the roaring of many waters. This place won't shake. The cloud won't descend. Angels aren't going to show up. Thunder and lightning aren't going to crack and crackle. See, the tough part about sowing into a local church is this. People in the church are not very impressive. And we can think, that's the church. I'm not sure I want any part of it. I get that. But here's the reality. Jesus is impressive. His followers, not so much. In the wisdom of God and the greatness of his power, for you to experience all that God has for you, that happens when you connect your lives with other not-so-impressive people. The fullness of Christ is often seen best in the emptiness and inability of his followers. The fullness of Christ is often seen best as we connect ourselves to the emptiness and inability of his followers. Why? Jesus wasn't joking around when he said, without me you can do nothing. So if anything good happens because we come together and put our hands to something and preach the gospel or serve the community, and if there's anything good that comes of it, we don't say, wow, aren't we smart? Wow, aren't we able? Wow, isn't our strategy amazing? We say, wow, the power of God expressed through weak people like us has gotten things done that we could never do alone. That's a church. That's the fundamentals here. That's like putting your socks and shoes on. That's what you need to recognize. We are not just stronger than the sum of our parts. We are stronger because we're connected to Jesus and his power. 
when we see Jesus use imperfect people to deliver us the fullness of Christ, we see truly how magnificent he is. And the fullness of Christ only happens in the context of local churches. You can't, this can't be duplicated in your car on the way to work as you listen to Caleb or as you pray in your closet, as you have coffee with a close Christian friend or as you walk in the forest or have two hours alone in a quiet house. Those are good things. Those are good things, but that doesn't replace your need to be connected to other people. To be connected, if you're part of this church, to people in this church. The local church, this local church, is the place, if you're a part of it, you experience the fullness of Christ. So as we close, let's put some of this together. Our church, with these people, our church with these people, that's the way you experience the body of Christ. Our church with these people, that's the way you experience the body of Christ. We are His body. He is our head. Jesus is our head. He is head over all things. Remember, He is enthroned above all rule and authority, power and dominion, above every name that is to be named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. But He's not head over the universe in the same way He's head over the church. Jesus has all authority. And God has made Him head over all things to, could be rendered, for the church. You, to be connected to Jesus, must be connected to other people. That's what that means. And by connected, it doesn't just mean acquaintances with or friends with. Connected means as connected as your finger is to your hand. Now, I have no plans to do this, but if I went home and got my cut code knives and cut off my, finger, my index finger, number one, that would be incredibly stupid. And number two, it would leave an enduring mark. My hand would never be the same because it would be lacking a finger. The way my finger is connected to my hand, that's the way we are to be connected one to another to really experience the fullness of Christ. Are you connected in that way? Our church with these people, that's the way you will experience the body of Christ. It's super easy to think about the body of Christ as being people out there that you'll never know, you'll never meet, people that you can love in a theoretical sense. It's really difficult when you live life with people and you see their flaws and their foibles, their troubles and their trials. Those are the people. When you express love to those people, those are the people that you, that, that you see the, the miraculous wisdom of God. Here, those are the people we're called to be connected to because church is not just is not another is not plural for Christian. Church is a group of Christians committed to Jesus together. That's what church is. Church is a group of Christians committed to Jesus together. If you're part of this church, our church with these people, that's the way you experience the body of Christ. Also, our church with these people, that's the primary place you experience the power and fullness of God. This place, I'm not talking about this building, I'm not talking about this room. 
But these people, these unimpressive people, these people who seem so radically normal, these people who are mundane, these people that if you ran into them in Costco, you would think totally normal. They're buying food just like me. They're looking to see what's on sale just like me. Oh, but there's something more going on. These people are connected to Jesus. And when we are connected together, when we are connected together, the power of God is active. You see, it might not seem like it, but the people of God in every church are much more than ordinary. Same is true here. If you were to look around, none of us are super impressive. None of us are famous. None of us have impressive kind of strength. But the focus is not to be on who we are individually. The focus is for us to be on who we are together in Christ. That's how the power is unleashed in our lives. We experience the fullness of what it means to follow Him only when we connect our lives to each other. See, together we will experience and understand even more the immeasurable love of Christ. Together, we will experience even more than we could alone (coughs) the joy of the Lord. Together, we understand what our purpose is in a way we couldn't alone. Together, we understand how amazing grace is when we couldn't alone. Together, when we sacrifice time and energy for His kingdom, we see the benefits. Together, we see His body. We, We see His body doing things that it could not do alone. Together, we experience His fullness in a way that we could not alone. That is church. I can't promise that there will be moments of power. I can't promise that there will be one day when the curtain of eternity is pulled back and we see into the throne room. But I can promise this. If you love Jesus and are connected to this church, you will see Jesus move in and through the people in this church. Not because we're unique or special, but because He is about something May we all be involved and experience the fullness of God. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for all of us, starting with me, Lord. I'm apt to measure what can be done by my resources and by my strength, by the people I know or the things I can do. But I pray that you would help me and all of us not to think with such limitations. Lord, we look to you. Jesus, you have defeated death. You have ascended to the right hand of the Father on high. You are seated there. Not just as a mere figurehead, but you have all authority. And you leverage that authority for your people. You leverage that authority for your church. You leverage that authority for this church. And so, Lord, I pray for power for all of us. 
Lord, I pray for those who haven't been connected. I pray that they would connect to other people and recognize that there is a power in being together following Jesus. I pray that you would help us to experience as we serve together and as we fellowship together a fullness in you that we haven't experienced otherwise. I pray that you would help us, Lord, not move past the fundamentals of what it means to be a church together, unified, walking forward in the power and strength of Jesus. We are not impressive, but you are. And so, Lord, we look not to our own resources, our own abilities, our own potentialities. What we look to is you. And we are utterly dependent on the one who is enthroned above seated at the right hand of the Father, the one who has defeated death for us, the one who is working his mighty power in us. And so I pray that we would experience that fullness together. May this be the place for all of us that are a part of this church that we experience the very fullness of God. Jesus, that can happen not because of us, but because of you. And in your name we pray. Amen.